Hey church, welcome. We are so glad you're here. Thank you for taking time out of your life and your schedule. If you can't tell yet, these are unprecedented moments here in the studio after some 60 weeks. I have real live friends here in the studio and it's pretty awesome. Um, I think last week I said my 20, 20 closest friends, we might be pushing a grand total of like 25 to 30. Um, we are somewhat spaced out, just to be clear, but uh, I just want to hug everyone in this room. It has been way, way too long of seeing uh, people in a room, and most importantly, here we are all together, and thank God for technology, because wherever you are, we're in this together, and thanks for watching. Hey, if you're new to church home, new to this space, new to our experience, uh, we believe there's a great, big, wonderful God who is a father and he loves you and he's not mad at you and he has incredible plans for your life. And we also believe that you can practice your faith in your home. That's why the name of our church is Church in Your Home or Church Home. Uh, my friends say it looks like Church Chrome, but that is not the point. Uh, we are excited that literally people all over the world are practicing their faith what we oftentimes do is I will share from the story of God, i.e. the Bible, the scripture. I'll do my best to unpack it and explain it for a few minutes. And then um, we'll use music as a vehicle to really connect with God, our creator. And then we will, uh, and then we'll be done. And then we're all going to go to Chili's or uh, TGIFs, you know, or Red Robin. That's what we're going to do here. Um, and I hope that you get a chance to... Um, go to Red Robin. <laughs> Some of you are watching like, what's Red Robin? It doesn't matter. Trust me. Um, I'm really excited to share this message with you. I'm going to title this talk, Why Go to God? Why Go to God? And, and let me be clear. Here's going to be the objective. The objective is that at the very least, in the next few minutes we share, you feel um, an increased desire to take what's really happening in your life and in your heart to God. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna try to eliminate some barriers, whether known or unknown, that many of us have when it comes to God. So again, the question is why? Why go to God with my pain? Why go to God with my anger? Why go to God with my frustration? Why go to God with my loneliness? Why go to God with my jealousy? Why go to God with whatever it might be? I think this sermon is going to motivate you more and more to go to God about everything. By the way, you can go to God about a parking spot. You can go to God about a new pair of shorts. You can go to God about anything, but oftentimes we don't go to God about the one thing we really need to take to him. Before this is over, I hope that you see God as the safest person and the safest place you can go to with whatever it is that's on, sorry, that was probably pretty loud on the mic, whatever it is that is on your heart and your mind. So go with me to Genesis. We're gonna go to Genesis chapter two, in verse four, just one, one verse in the book of Genesis. If you can't tell, last week I spoke from Genesis. This week I'm speaking from Genesis. We might be in Genesis for a while. It's kind of where my heart has been and where my head has been. I'm excited. I probably am gonna preach from Genesis again next week. Really, really excited about that. So please 
stay tuned. Check this out. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 4. These are the generations of heavens, of the heavens and the earth, when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. The Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now, this is going to be a very important verse. Now, this is the first time Lord and God, and we're talking about these two original Hebrew words, Lord and God are actually put together. It actually sounds a little bit redundant, by the way. You've probably already observed that, Lord God. Why not just call him Lord or call him God? Why Lord God? Well, we're going to review, we're going to unveil and uncover together the contents of God's character, which I think will be incredibly motivating when it comes to taking our problems, our pain, our circumstances, and our purpose to God. He is Lord God. Interesting observation about Genesis chapter 2 and verse 4. It begins the combination of Lord God, which will happen in Genesis 22 times. 22 times in Genesis, you'll see this unusual combination of Lord and God. And I'm going to give you the original Hebrew words in a moment. But here's another really interesting observation. This is only the Lord God combination. After 22 times it's used in Genesis, it will only be used one more time in the whole of Scripture. One more time. But in the first book, the book that's probably one of the oldest books written by Moses, inspired, of course, by God, 22 times in what we now call the opening book of God's story, Lord and God are put together to describe him. The Lord God. Why is that significant? The word Lord here is Yahweh, and the word God is Elohim or Elohim. Now, both of those pronunciations are pretty much under intense scrutiny in the scholarly theological community. And to be honest, if you study Yahweh or Elohim or Elohim, there is a lot of fodder and a lot of discussion. There's a kind of a consensus on these words that we'll spend the majority of our time on focusing on the majority of the agreed scholars out there. Now, some of you, especially if you grew up Jewish or in the Jewish community, the term Yahweh is probably unheard of for you, for all of my Jewish brothers and sisters. I understand that even saying Yahweh out loud could make you feel uncomfortable. For those that don't know, it has long been the practice of the Jewish community to not even utter God's name, Yahweh. Out of respect, worship, and honor, you don't even say it. Now again, Yahweh not, might not be exactly how you say it, but Yahweh is, some argue, the holiest name given to God. Why is it significant that Lord and God are combined here? Yahweh speaks of God's desire to be a relational being. Yahweh speaks to his proximity. It speaks to his presence. It speaks to his personableness, if you will. Now, Elohim or Elohim speaks to his grandeur. It speaks to his majesty. It speaks to his magnitude and magnificence, right? It's this massive, powerful creator of heaven and earth. Now, here's what's interesting is if you look at Christendom, Catholicism, Judaism, oftentimes there are whole groups and categories of respective Catholics, Christians, or those practicing Judaism 
that will side with more of a Yahweh or more of an Elohim, Elohim. But you ever had a conversation with someone who's a faith person and you're trying to emphasize how big and massive and grand and ornate and magnificent God is and that person has to interject and say, but he's also my best friend. And you're like, yeah, right? And you can see that for that person, it's like, he's my, he's my best friend, right? But have you ever been in a conversation with someone and you're like, you know, God is a friend that sits closer than a brother. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for he is with me. And that person goes, but he's also big and powerful and strong and austere and grand. And we ought to honor him and respect him and not treat him just like one of the guys. And you're like, for sure, yeah. You know, and it's like either one, but, but both are true. Do you hear me? Both are true. Both make up who God is. Now, I would like to give you the reason I think Genesis uses this unique combination 22 times, and we only get it one more time in the whole of Scripture. Because at the outset of your story, the story that's in your lap, most importantly, the story I hope that's getting in your heart, the story of God, which is the story of the cosmos and the universe is known and unknown. The reason it's imperative is because both are absolutely who God is and each aspect does not lessen the other. God is every bit as big and strong, as powerful as you could possibly even begin to imagine with your and mine finite, limited capacity and brain power. He is exceedingly. He is a abundantly, above and beyond all that you can think, imagine. God is that, right? He is the star breather. He's the galaxy maker, right? He says things that are not, and they exist, right? This is Elohim, Elohim. He has no peer. There are no gods amongst him. He is elite, he is alone in who he is. He is Elohim. And yet, the Bible uses all kinds of metaphors and analogies to tell us who Yahweh is. Yahweh is a good shepherd. Yahweh is your heavenly father. Yahweh is a brother. Yahweh never leaves you nor forsakes you. And yet... That great brother that sits closer to you than your dearest friend is also the one that has named stars that we don't even know exist. He's the one that, that controls the deep serpents in the sea that we know nothing about. We know more about space than we do about the ocean. He is the God of the ocean depths. Elohim is the God who creates fish that you and I will never see, but he does and he enjoys it. He is grand, and he is big, and he is massive. Now, what is important is to understand, to the best of our ability, who God is. There are a number of reasons we don't go to God. Now, you probably already know where I'm going, so just bear with me for a second. If God is just Elohim, or if he is just Yahweh, I want you to think about how that limits you in what you will bring to him. I would like to suggest that the primary reason we don't go to God is we don't understand God. That's all. 
a lot of people are like, you need to be, you need to pray more. You need to pray more. You need to pray more. You need to read your Bible more. You know what you need to do? Anybody grow up in church and like, no matter what you were dealing with, you need to read your Bible and pray. Anybody like, like you were on your little soccer team, your traveling little soccer team, and you couldn't score any goals. And it was like, you need to pray and read your Bible. And that's how you're going to score more goals, right? Your mom was like, here's your Capri Sun. Here's your Nature Valley granola bar. It's, it's, it's the honey flavor, which is the only flavor there is, mom. But anyways, eat your Nature Valley, drink your Capri Sun, and understand you would score more goals if we prayed before the game. And it's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's actually accurate, but some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you watching know what I'm talking about. If you grew up in church, everything seemed to get back to not always the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the acceptance of God. It was like, read your Bible and pray. Come on, church, everyone stand to your feet and let's go to God in prayer, right? And anyone who stayed seated in the audience or the auditorium was like, wow, you don't go to God. That's why things aren't coming your way because you need to go to God. I want to kind of unpack that for a second. This is not a sermon of how your prayers and your reading of the Bible are going to fix you. If we are not careful... We will use Bible reading and prayer just like any other practice that we think improves ourselves. Why? We don't know God. So we treat God like a fitness class. We treat God like a life coach. We treat God like a trainer. And we're like, okay, right? And what does a trainer always say when you start? You're going to get out what you put in. Oh, okay. All right, all right, here we go. Downward dog. You know, you're like, all right, right, here we go, right? And that's what preachers do. Preachers become the trainer as well. And they're like, hey, hey, go to God. Hey, go to God. Before we go any further in this sermon, I just want to say God has come to you. That's about where this whole should I go to God or not. It's like, well, two ladies already here. When I say go to God, I mean something kind of like this. Like, going to God is like God is right here, and you're like, hey. <laughs> like, that's what we're talking about. We're not like, you know, how some of us growing up, we're like, I got to go to God. What are you doing? I'm going to God. I'm searching for God. I will go to God. He must be a long ways away. I believe he is. But I shall not. I shall not stop. I shall continue to go to God. For I have been searching for God for 12 years, and I shall not stop. It's like, no, he, he's right here. Right? He's right here. Like there, 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 there's God. So this isn't like, none of us get to walk away from the sermon and be like, you know, I am a God goer. I go to God. You need to be a God goer. That's your key. And you're like, oh, okay. I need to read my Bible and pray more. And now the devotions, our devotions are literally our salvation. That's not this message. That's not good Bible. It's not good theology. Okay. But the message is, why don't we go to God? Why don't we do, hey, I'm so tired. Why don't we, I feel so alone. And why would we rather, I just, hey, what are you doing? You still up? Yeah. I hate COVID. Me too. This sucks. 
and we'd rather, I'm talking about me now. I'm coming up with content from my life, okay? Just in case you're wondering where I'm getting this resource, it's just resourcing my own human performance, right? I would so much rather, most of the time, call a friend that goes, oh man, that sucks, I know. And did you hear about so-and-so? Oh, so annoying, right? As opposed to, hey God, my friend really hurt my feelings. Can you help me forgive him? I'm so mad at him. Do you like him still? <laughs> can I stop liking him? Or... Is there a way I can love him but despise him? You know, like, <laughs> when's the last time you talked to God like that? Most of us in this room and watching would probably have to admit, not a lot, a never, because we don't understand God. Let me give an example, and you can probably figure out the example I'm going to give. I'm a dad, 16, 14, 12. Welcome to my life. Um, someone recently on the pickleball court was telling me how busy their schedule was, and they are a single adult, and I have all the respect in the world, but let me be clear, I raised my voice from the other side of the net and said, is your life so tough? I have three teenagers. And that was the end of our conversation. So, <laughs> um, it's a full-time job. But how many times do you think my kids have gone through something painful and decided not to tell mom and dad? probably as many times as you did when you were a kid. Now, if you had the opportunity to have a mom or a dad or a grandparent or someone you could trust and go to, I also recognize that many of us are like, I would do anything to have had a parental figure I could go to. So for a moment, let's speak to those who had the luxury and the privilege. For me, I had a mom and dad that stayed together. But how many times? My dad was my hero, something I would do you know, something real dumb, real stupid. And I'd be like, I can't tell my dad. Now, now that I'm a dad, I'd like to go back to being a kid and I'd like to take my everything to my dad because now I know my dad because I'm a dad. Oftentimes when it comes to God, we just don't understand God. So we're like, I can't go to God with this. Now, here's the irony about God that's so different than your mom and dad or your grandparents or your uncle or your favorite aunt that you could go to everything about is um, he already knows. Which should alleviate a little bit of the barrier and stress, shouldn't it? It's like, it's like when God asks a question, he already knows the answer. It's like, but we play games, don't we? And we don't want to go to God. Now, many of us, when I preach sermons like this, when a preacher says, you know, we need to go to God more, all of us go, oh my gosh, I'll go to God with anything. Then why don't you? That's cool. Then tell me why you don't. Well, no, I, I do. I like golf. When's the last time I talked to God about golf? Well, God. Who talks to God about golf? Really? Oh, so we have subjects we don't take to God. Or are they not spiritual? Are they not godly? They don't fit in the God category? as if he's a category and not the sovereign being of the whole earth. God's like, I don't do golf. Golf is stupid. We don't know God, do we? We don't know God. So the disciples come 
to Jesus right after they see Jesus praying. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, and I can't remember where it is. I just remember that it's in there, okay? It's in the New Testament, okay? And Jesus is praying, and the disciples are, I just, I can't wait to watch this video. Jesus is literally probably on his knees, and he's praying, and the guys are like, what is he doing? They're just standing there watching him. He gets done, and they're like, hey, how do you do that? And he's like, what? Pray. Can you teach us to pray? It's like, yeah. He says this, when you pray, say this. Oh, heavenly father. Wait, what? Now, now some of you have been around church long enough. You didn't even hear what I just said. Right? When someone says Lord's prayer, it's like, our heavenly father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And you're like, oh, here we go. Here's the prayer thing in church. Here we go. Church, if we could stand, let's pray together. Our heavenly Father, hallowed be thy name. We don't even think about it. Autopilot clicks in for those of us that grew up in church. And we're like, heavenly Father. What was that? Jesus said, when you go to God, go to your Father. What? Yeah. First thing I want on your mind when you go to God is that he's your dad. Now, the problem with that is all of us have dad wounds of some kind. You know what mine is? As weird as this is, I, my, my dad is my hero, but he died too soon. And there was a part of me that was like, now my dad's not there. It doesn't matter what, right? We've all, we've all had a dad or a father figure let us down. Not focus, not listen, not care. And so when I say father, it's loaded, isn't it? So what we have to practice is to, is to step back for a second, breathe a little bit and go, he is the perfect father. You know how many times my kids have come to me and they're like, dad and I'm like wait wait what wait this happened three weeks ago why didn't you come to me well dad I was son I'm gonna say it again don't you ever you never have to be afraid you can bring me anything now there might be some consequences because I love you but you can bring me anything our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name Hallowed be your name. Your name is holy. Do you know why my name isn't holy? Because I'm not holy most of the time. But see, God is the only name that's holy, and the reason his name is holy, holy means uncommon. Do you know why his name is uncommon? because he always acts in consistency with his character. So every time you say the name of Jesus, you are invoking his character, which he always is and is right now. So God says, when you go to Jesus, when you go to God, say, our heavenly father, you're my dad, and you're always the same. You're my dad, and you're not in a bad mood. You're my dad, and you're not depleted. You're my dad, and you're not discouraged. You're my dad and you're not angry. You're my dad and you were my perfect dad 10 minutes ago and you're still my perfect dad. 
You were my perfect dad when I was a teenager, and now you're my perfect dad in my 30s. You're still my perfect dad. You are uncommon, for you are consistent, right? I mean, we're just starting to wade into the shallow end of who God is. And I'm hoping that barriers are already starting to topple in your own soul and in your own mind about what you can and can't tell God. The Bible, Jesus said, it's the traditions of men that make God's story and God's character not affected. And so we've been taught culturally, for those of us particularly living in the Western world, that there are some things you shouldn't bother God with. Do you know why we do that? Because we have made God in our image. We believe that God is busy trying to solve continents and countries and cosmos. So he has no time for my golf game. Now that sounds like a father I'm a little more familiar with. Uh, not right now, son. You got a business call. Okay, yeah. Uh, okay, dad, dad. No problem. No problem. What'd you say? I just said I wanted to talk to you. I don't have time to talk to you right now. Okay, don't just walk in. You knock when you come into my office. Okay, yeah, so, sorry, Dad. All right, all right. So the Bible says, go to God like a heavenly father. You're like, oh, I know how to do that. Hey, God, you got a, you got a, you got a, you got a minute? No, oh, yeah, no problem, no problem. Let me know when you do. And so we tell the whole world, God loves you. And they're like, all right. Cool. Tell him to keep his distance. Because I got enough problems than the creator of the cosmos being mad at me. No thanks. You know what you should do? You should take that to God. Like he cares. Look around. Look around. Like he cares. Oh. So we put together this image of God. So. Here's what I want to do. I want to take you to one of the great revelations of God in all of the Bible, particularly the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, in the Torah, written again by Moses. And this is an encounter Moses had with Yahweh Elohim. He has with personal, grand, all-powerful God. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law. This is Exodus chapter 3. We'll start reading in verse 1. Jethro, the priest of Midian, he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning and yet it was not consumed. Please hear that. He looked to the burning bush and it was not consumed. And Moses said, I'll turn aside to see this great side and why the bush is not burned. I'll turn aside. Now, interesting. Verse 4 says, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush. Moses, Moses. Something in the Hebrew here is amazing to me. It says, I, I want you to hear the language. Moses says, I am going to now figure out what's going on with the most unique fire I've ever seen. And the Bible says, 6,000 years old, that when God saw Moses turn to figure out the bush, he said, he called him by name, Moses. And you thought God was far. And you thought God didn't want to talk to you. 
By the way, it says Moses, Moses. In the Hebrew, it, it, it's so um, emphatic how God calls Moses. In English, we have to put the name twice, but he didn't say Moses, Moses. He said, Moses. And it was so impactful, the translators later translated it, Moses, Moses, because we don't have, English doesn't like, it just doesn't say it enough. So it wasn't like, Moses. It was like, I named you, I know who you are, and I have been waiting for you to see me for who I am. Moses! He probably says something like, here I am. And he approaches the burning bush. Now, here's what's so important about the burning bush, and I don't know if there's more verses that I was gonna read, but we could keep reading. Um, yeah, those are all good. Okay, we'll just stop there for sake of time, and I already realize what time it is, so. I can't wait to show you this. Here's what we're going to do. To motivate you to go to God, your heavenly Father, the Holy One, the uncommon one, and the consistent one, I'm going to tell you three things God is not. Because I think these three things and their implications are so pervasive in our thinking and culture today because of customs, traditions, and man making God in his own image. Here is one of the great first revelations of Yahweh Elohim in the whole of Scripture. He comes in the form of a fire. He surrounds a bush. By the way, don't get me started. I, I mean, I don't know. I get so excited. Just a few friends that are alive and I get more excited, okay? Um, um, he could have been a floating fire. But God is not into freaking you out. That's not his goal. He's not trying to freak you out. You know how like, um, we think God's like a magician. Like he's gonna be like, ah! we're like, ah! And he's like, I got you. You know, and we're all like, man, God, you're crazy. And he's like, right, are you guys terrified? Totally, he's like, yeah. You know, like, that's, that's not God. That's not his nature. God doesn't want us to run to him and be like, God, I'm here. And he's like, okay. Do you want to come find me? You know, and he's like, we're like, I don't, I don't know, where are you? So, so, so I want you to notice the nature of God. He takes his fire and he puts it on a bush, but he's not using the bush for fuel. He doesn't need the bush for fuel. The foliage is not helping the fire. The fire is around the foliage, but does not need the foliage or use the foliage for God needs for nothing. So I want you to see the compassion and care of God for he puts his fire over the foliage so Moses isn't freaked out. That's who he is. We use shock value for everything, marketing, etc. God doesn't need that. God doesn't do shock value. He's like, all right, how do I show my guy Bo who I am? I'm gonna put my fire over this little foliage. And Moses is like, that's kind of odd. I've seen little bushes and, and fires and foliage, but I, this one's not going out. Oh yeah, it's not got nothing to do with the plant and the leaves at all. And so we begin to look at the bush together and we will discover, yes, who God is, 
but there's a couple of observations we have to make that God is not, and we need to make it emphatically. So when we go to him, we allow his spirit and his grace to eradicate some of the error, or I should call it that lying voice in your head that says you're so dumb for talking to God about your hair. So stupid. Hey God, Will you help me like, I don't know, make a few extra bucks so I can buy that dress that I want? Oh, that is so dumb. People are hurting all over the world and you're asking God for a dress. How dare you? I mean, what is it? What is that you've told yourself? I shouldn't say that to God. What is it? God, could you kill that person? Because I don't like them. It's terrible. Take it up with David. He's the worst prayer of all time if we define him by certain and current prayer criteria. David's like, break all of my enemies' faces and pull their teeth out and bury them alive. And you're like, David, whoa, bro, relax. Like, and God's never like, David, you're so dumb for saying that. It's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting, isn't it? I'm not saying that any of us should wish anyone dead, but I am saying we have some crazy thoughts. We ain't never tell nobody. And I'm simply suggesting God is the safest place in the universe for you to go to. Tell them what you really think. Why don't we do that? Well, because we are still convinced that God um, is destructive in ways. I am 42 years old, and I am still being told by well-meaning Christians that some things happen in my life because God, there is a level of judgment that God is imposing on me because of my error. I didn't say consequences. That's a whole other teaching we can do. Consequences in God's judgment are very, very different. If you blindfold yourself and drive your car, that's not the judgment of God. If you hit something, that's called the consequences of not watching where you're driving. But boy, it's a slippery slope these days in Christian a minute. You got in a wreck? Have you been praying? How about this one? What You need to tithe. It's because you haven't been giving. You've exposed yourself to the enemy. Wow. So that's how small our God is. First thing you need to know about this bush, God is not destructive. He's good. The bush is not destroyed. When the fire went out, the bush remained. God's character is not destructive. We can talk about dispensations and covenants and Old Testament, New Testament, and how that all implies and works, but I'm just telling you for sake of time, God is not destructive. So when you go to God, you do not have to go for fear of destruction or judgment or calamity. God is not the author of confusion. He is not the author of calamity. He is not destructive. It is not his nature 
two times in the Hebrews, it said in the Hebrews, in the Hebrew, it says, and the bush is not consumed. He's not destructive. God is not destructive. I mean, honestly, we could spend the next 45 just talking about how God's not destructive. He's not destructive. He doesn't want to destroy your family. He doesn't want to destroy your business. He doesn't want to destroy your brain. He doesn't want to destroy your body. He doesn't want to destroy your friends. He doesn't want to destroy your future. He doesn't want to destroy your confidence. He doesn't want to destroy your identity. He doesn't want to destroy. He's not a destroyer. That's not what God does. And yet we still watch the world and we wonder, is that God's destruction on Hollywood? Because of its sin? I've been in this city 10 years now. You know how many people, Christians, have told me that a fire in this city is because God is judging? We don't go to him because we don't know him. And we still want to explain calamity and confusion and wars and rumors of wars and pestilences and diseases and desolations in nature and we want to say see that's God so you don't know Yahweh you don't know Elohim for he is both Moses says I I need to go I need to see what's going on here he um he sees that the bush is not destroyed so we know that God's not destructive but we also know this God is not dependent this is very important God is not dependent I've learned recently about codependency and my addiction to it okay I'm a pastor you can figure it out yourself okay are you good are you good are you okay are you okay are you okay are you okay if you're not okay I'm not okay if you're not okay I'm not okay right and that's story of my pastoral life okay if people aren't okay I'm not okay and I thought that was noble and then like professionals told me like oh my gosh you're codependent I'm like okay (laughs) and then I'm like is the therapist mad at me and I'm like, oh, wait a second. You know, right? Like, it, that's welcome to my life. God's not dependent. He's certainly not codependent. He's not dependent. He did not need the foliage for fuel. He needs for nothing. He is not dependent. He does not need you. Please hear me. He does not need you. It's much higher than that. He wants you. He wants you. Now, I'm going to say something about the orientation of the universe that I would have done differently than God, as if I can even utter this, but I'm going to, for sake of illustration, a metaphor that will serve you in your spiritual journey, wherever you are and whoever you believe in. Please hear me out just for a moment. If I was God, my independence, I would always employ and demonstrate by not wanting relationship with human beings. Because I, I, I started to think about this. God really opened himself up for some grief and some hurt, didn't he? I was like, God, you don't need nobody. Well, then why want them? Because the moment you want somebody and they don't respond to your want, you have what we call old-fashioned heartache. Do you, I almost titled this sermon why God doesn't have to cry. You know, one scholar I read today, he said, God crying is the meaning of the universe. I was like, wait, wait, what? 
It's who he is. God, why are you crying? I want to. Wait, what? I want to cry, so I cry. Like if I was God, I'd be like, first thing I'd say to Adam, hey, I appreciate you, but I don't need you. I don't need you. You need me, but I don't need you. You ever had one of those friends, it's, the friendship's kind of breaking down, and they're like, listen, we need some space. And you're like, you do one of these? Yeah, no problem. I'm good. Like you cry yourself to sleep later that night, but you're like, I'm good. Bro, I'm good. I said, well, I'm good. That would be actually true of God. He's not dependent. He's not dependent. He doesn't need the foliage. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. Some people argue that I am is the greatest title ever given to God. And, and it literally means, and Yahweh connects to this as well, that I am who I am. I, I am. Think about this. Every other being in the universe other than God is a link. We are linked. Now that tells us a lot about who we are. We're linked. We are dependent beings. There's only one that's independent. <laughs> and the posture he's taken, I want you to let this sink in. He's the only independent being in the universe, always was, always will be. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he wants connection. Why go to God? Because he wants you to. Well, I, mean, I don't know if that, a lot of people want me to do stuff. Nobody like this. Am I the only one that when people really want me to do stuff, I'm like, uh, what's the angle here? Hey, can I come over? We can hang out. Yeah! Two hours later, yo, you got any tickets to the Laker game? Ah, there it is. God wants you to go to him. Why? He wants you. Everybody has an agenda. All right, all right, all right. You got him. You got God. His agenda is you! What do you mean? All of you! Just you! But what if I've had a bad week? Weeks don't really, it's, God is, he lives in a place called no time. It doesn't, it doesn't really, God, I know I've had a bad Thursday. And God's like, you're so cute. You think in Thursdays. <laughs> I live in a place called forever. You're so adorable. Your Thursday afternoon just has you in the worst mood. And I don't, really attached to but I will because I choose to because I want you so I mean this some deep stuff alright alright I'm, I'm, I'm done my 30 closest friends in studio make me preach longer so I'm sorry church home except I'm not sorry and that was a lie <laughs> lastly why go to God well he's He's not destructive. He's not dependent. And lastly, he's not depleted. He's not decaying. Is it just me or... Um, so I've learned a secret about 
um, being good socially. And it's usually um, showing up for my friends as a listener and asking them questions about their life and being like, what else is going on? Oh man, that's all right. Like, and I'm not saying it's a trick. I'm just saying I've learned it really makes people feel valuable and I love to do that. And obviously you know my codependency problem, so all right, bear with me, okay? But, but, but honestly, I love to do it. And you know what I constantly do, what I've learned about really connecting with people is you have to kind of read people to know like, are they in a good spot? Could, could Joey handle my, wow, Joey, thank you for sharing that. Hey, um, man, I had it. It's funny you said, that. I had a really rough week last week. And then I'll watch Joey. And if Joey's like, whew, man, yeah, aren't we all? I go, yeah, man, I just wanted you to know it was a pretty rough week last week. So I identify. And then I'll shut it down. Are you like me? And I'll be like, all right, yeah. All right, that's all Joey can handle because he's depleted. He's exhausted. This is called marriage, right? <laughs> like, seriously. I mean, it, just, it is. As a spouse, you're like, Hey, babe, I had a great day. How are you? Babe, are you good? Never mind. I had a great day. Give me a hug. And people would be like, oh, that's not authentic. It's, it's, it's just called grown-up stuff called marriage. There's just some days. I literally had someone say, you got to stop telling your wife everything you feel and think. And I was like, really? <laughs> okay, I'll try. You know, like, why? Because she's depleted too sometimes. It's so hard to describe this, but um, God is like never depleted. You never have to go, dear Heavenly Father, how are you today? You know, you're busy taking care of that entire continent. I get it. And I'm down here trying to get a parking spot at the mall. I feel really small and dumb. Okay, I love you all the best with that continent. Talk soon. When you get a chance, no big deal. If we don't, we're going to spend forever together. No big deal. <laughs> That's funny because I say, like, you know, God's not destructive. God's not depleted. God's not dependent. And we all go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're like me, I treat him like he is all the time. All the time. I project all the time. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. And it says when, 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 when Moses turned and said out loud, I'm going to go look closer to this fire. I think the bush is on fire, but I don't think it is. But I think it is. I want you to think about the Hebrew. Two verses, I think it's verses three and verses four in Genesis three. The, verse three says, Moses says, I'll turn aside as easy as great side while the bush is not burned. And then in verse four says, and so when God saw that he turned aside, God called out to him, almost as if saying, yes, yes, Moses. Um, yeah. Here I am. So am I. I am. I'm not here. I'm everywhere. At the same time. I am. Tomorrow I am. Wherever you are, I am. Moses? Yeah. It's me. 
the one who made you. It's me. I didn't want to freak you out, so I put the fire around the bush, but I don't really need the bush. I don't need anything. I just wanted to get your attention because I want you. Okay, well, who's a motorcycle going really fast? That's good, because I was about to start really crying. You probably didn't hear that, but it's so wild, man. We've complicated this so much. Did you have a good day today? Yeah, I had a good prayer time. What's a good prayer time? I got through my list. That's good. I guess that's good. Did you read God's word today? Yeah, I read the, read my Bible reading plan. That's good too. Did you see him? Did you meet with him? Sorry? Um, God? Did you feel Yahweh? Did you step back and look at Elohim? Listen, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that every time we have a quiet time or whatever we're supposed to call it now. Because how many know a quiet time doesn't always describe what needs to happen? Sometimes it needs to be a screaming time, shouting time. Oh, and sometimes it needs to be a still and silent time. But let's not limit it to a quiet time. Or do you like me? It's like morning devotions, yoga, making the bed, taking a shower. It seems to all be the same thing. I just, I just want to show up like Moses. Um, though I might not hear him yelling my name, here I am. And I know you're right here. But I just can't seem to go to you most of the time. And I think that you're mad. And I think that you need me and I'm just tired and I don't feel like I can do what you need me to do. Oh, son, you, you think I need you to do something? Well, that's kind of how it works down here. And if I'm not doing anything, who am I? You're my son. Yeah, but, but what? You know, I, I thought I'm supposed to do something for you, you know? You gave me life, and I'm, I'm really trying. I just feel like it's kind of going into my boss's office when I talk to you. And I feel like I haven't done half of what my job description says. And I'm tired. And I'm wondering if you want me to quit, or you want to fire me from your family or army or whatever it is that I'm a part of, community, church, Christianity. What is this? I don't know. I. Oh. No, I just, I just wanted to be with you. Oh, yeah, I'm, um, I'm here all the time. Do you always have time? Son, you have no idea. <laughs> time? I made it for you. It's just a bookmark. That's all time is. And then I'll be done with it when it 
has served its purpose. It'll be over and you'll be home where you belong. So I got things to tell you. I'm just here. And you know what's crazy about God? He's like this little puppy I got. And yeah, I got a puppy, it's weird, right? Because I said I would never get a dog and then I had a 12 year old daughter whose eyes make me melt like wax. So I got her a dog and now the dog means more to me than anyone. Someone's like, there's things called therapy dogs. Like, oh, I got one of those for sure. And I don't know what it is. Every time I walk in the room, this little dog, Louie, this little teacup, multi-poo. All black with a little white tuft right here. Looks like he's wearing a tuxedo. He's the best dog that's ever lived. And it happened again this morning. I had to go somewhere early, come back in a few hours. And there's Louie. And what do you think Louie was doing? That little tail, man, just start. And he's just looking at me like, ah, ah, get closer to me. Are you coming? Do you want to hold me? Please. Like, you know, and you can just hear his voice in my head. Like somebody like, Judah, you need to get therapy. I am, you know, like, but these dogs is wild, isn't it? I leave the room. I come back. I'm like, you're doing it again. I was gone for five minutes, buddy. I had to go number one. Like, relax. And he's like all the way back. He's like, oh, I missed you so much. Ah, want to hang out? Want to be together? Want to be best friends? Let's never leave. You know, I'm like, okay. And I just feel like, isn't it funny? What we've done to God. Why did we come up with this? And what's funny is I can imagine professors and scholars watching this this clip of the sermon going, oh my God, you compare God to a dog. That is sacrilegious. Oh, we have made God much less than that. And some of it through our higher escalated thinking. We've made God much worse than a happy puppy who can't wait to see us. We have made God only Elohim. Or we have made God only Yahweh. And he's both. I want to go to God, but I don't want to strive. I just want to go to God. Hey, um, a couple things on my mind. Hey, God, would you be willing to fix LA traffic, or is that is that a priority right now? Because we hated COVID, but we really loved the flow of traffic. Think of the silly things you talk about to the people you're closest to. I want to go to God. And I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. I've gone way too long. But that's your fault, not mine. At all. All of a sudden, you're going to get old someday. Maybe you already are, like me. But we're going to stay young in our mentality. And all of a sudden, someday, it's going to be the afternoon or the evening or in the morning. It's going to hit you. I've discovered the meaning of life. That's it. I've discovered the meaning of life. What is it? Going to God. Because he's already come to me. Hey, God. Hey. You're extraordinary. I am.
love you so much. And all of a sudden, like, you almost want to say talking to God instead of prayer because prayer is so loaded. Talking to God becomes life. Becomes actually being alive. And the pain isn't what proves you're alive. The pleasure isn't what proves you're alive. It's the person who made you and your connection to him that proves you're alive. You're alive. So come what may, let us go to God and live. Not a cheap imitation of life, but true life. For the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus declares, I have come to demonstrate God, for I am God. And I have come that you might have life. And life in its fullness. Life more and most abundantly. This is my wish for you. And I'm done. Let us invite the great God of the Hebrew Scripture. The great God of the early church. The great God of the Apostle Paul and Queen Esther. Let us meet with him and discover what this is all about. And then life will happen, stuff will happen. But we will hold on to Yahweh Elohim. Lord God, Lord God, he's here. He's your father. He's so proud of you. He's so in love with you. And the moment you even come close to turning, he shouts your name. I'm here. I'm not destructive. I'm not distracted. I'm not decaying. I'm not depleted. I'm not dependent. I want you. Oh, how we long to be wanted. We could go another hour on the need to be wanted. All the life is in him. Jesus, I thank you for the moments we share and scriptures we get to kind of begin to understand that helps us see you. I love you. Like I am in love with you. Oh, how we thought we knew you. But your unfolding goodness and grace, your manifold wisdom seems to come in waves like the ocean. Saturate us and soak us again with your goodness. Oh, wonderful God. God of Moses, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Ruth and Boaz and Esther. You are here. You are here. If you're watching right now and you would like to receive the forgiveness that only Jesus offers, but the Bible declares that he who, knew no, he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you would like to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus offers, I want you to lift your hand right now. You know who you are all over the world. And you are forgiven. Before you raised your hand, in the moment of acceptance, belief, and receptivity, all is covered and forgiven, and you are His. And He will never let you go, leave you or forsake you. 
This is why Church Home exists, to give the free gift of forgiveness to every single person alive. Wow. God, I thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you for what you're saying to us and showing us about you. Help us to continue to grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, amen. Everybody said amen.